Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Well, it's good to be back after a week off from the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I see you didn't burn the place down while I was gone last week, Jay. Yeah, we did okay. We 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 missed you, Tom, but we we did okay. We got an episode recorded, and uh, I'm glad you're back, though. It's good yeah. to uh, good to see you via Zoom and, and talk to you here. Yeah. Well, and it kind of got me to thinking that I was gone on summer vacation, the week long thing that we do every year, and that always turns the corner for me then to start thinking about end of summer, which I can't believe I'm already thinking about. Which then, of course, think gets me thinking about fall. And you and I have talked in the past about how Labor Day sort of marks the unofficial beginning of the fourth quarter, even though there's four months left. But it's kind of the the mad dash towards the end of the year. And people are either trying to wrap things up or they're looking ahead to the next year with a renewed focus after taking like three months of mental break, maybe from business development efforts, say they look at the end of the year coming and the beginning of a new year and they say, wow, it's time to all out sprint. And as anyone who's ever done any kind of training uh, would know that uh, the time to get in shape for a sprint is not five minutes before you start, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I agree with all that. And I do think it's the time of year. Um, you know, the, the alternative that I think many people turn to, which, which oftentimes is a mistake, is thinking about, you know, the very end of the year is the time to plan and the time to uh, start kind of determining what you're going to be focused on in, in the year to come. Uh, I think that this this four-month period after Labor Day is just crucial um, for many reasons, including the fact that it's the period of time in which many buyers of all kinds of things, including sophisticated professional services like legal services, are, are looking to make determinations if they're uh, intending on switching providers or um, you know engaging in new projects, that kind of thing. So it's important to be out there and have an understanding and a clear picture of what you're going to be doing to take advantage of those opportunities as they arise. Yep, absolutely. And we um, got an interesting comment in the Thought Leader Collaborative that we launched uh, just a couple of weeks ago now, um, which is somebody mentioned that you know they want to be top of mind when somebody has X need, right? And so how do I create content that will make me top of mind? And the implication, or at least the inference I made was that I wanna create content that makes me top of mind now. And my response back to him was, you're creating content now so that you'll be top of mind later. Don't Mm -hmm. you think? I mean, uh, to really pop into somebody's awareness at the moment they have a need and to be instantly convincing them that you are the solution provider, I think, is a tough pull, but the whole, you know, commitment that we've made with thought leadership content is that you're doing this over time. You're planting these seeds and making these incremental investments. So I just wanted to add that in because I thought it was relevant to this whole notion of don't wait until the moment you need it to start something. For sure. No, it, it requires repetition. Um, and that's, that's true of anything that, that we do when we're trying to create awareness of something that, that, you know, we're trying to be known for. And that's why advertisers, you know, it's not a, it's not a one and done situation. Same goes for any form of marketing, including thought leadership. Um, so it does require that repetition over time. Again, I, I talk about this effort to create a positive association between 
you as the individual lawyer or service provider and the types of solutions that you provide and the ideas that you focus on. And to create that association, it does require that repetitive effort over time so that your audience comes to know, like, and trust you. Yep. What about just the... uh the general state of affairs that we're in now in mid-August 2021, it feels like we're on the one hand, we're kind of past the worst, but now we're starting to feel like, uh uh-oh, what's behind the corner? So we have this, I would say, relatively strong economy. I'm pretty impressed with how well the economy seems to have rebounded, especially in the service sector. In some cases, didn't even rebound because it just, there so many of our services were in higher demand in a virtual economy. But we don't know what the future holds with all of these new variants and new warnings and, you know, mask mandates may be coming back. We don't know if we're going to be going back to the office on mass. We don't know. Are we going to be able to go back to quote unquote, the old way of doing things, which you and I have talked, you know, how much of what we're, we've experienced in the last year is going to have some permanence to it. And I think we're going to test that coming into the fall here. Don't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this takes me back. I mean, I remember I was naive about what we were getting into, uh, you know, in early March 2020. Um, I remember having a conversation with my wife, Heather, and she asked me what I thought about the whole thing. And, and I said, well, we're probably going to deal with a couple months of disruption and then, you know, things will be back to normal. Um, and then it was maybe, I don't know, Mid, mid-March, I remember listening to a podcast uh, that was featuring a, a Harvard epidemiologist, and he described you know, a much different picture, which was you know, not returning to any sense of normalcy until at least 2022. Um, and that wow. just blew me away, right? Um, mm. And and even then, you know, I thought, well, that's, you know, that, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is going to go on longer than I thought but certainly not till 2022. <laughs> um, and I think that many people felt that way. And so, of course, here we are, right? Um, yeah. We're in a situation where we, we had a brief reprieve um, early summer. And you know, just on July 27th, the CDC issued new guidance about even fully vaccinated people recommending that they wear masks in indoor public settings. Uh, and, you know, it's just a matter, even when, when we're looking out in the law firm uh, landscape, I know clients of mine who had intended to go back to the office, say in September, are already pushing those dates back. And anyways, we're in this new, new, the new old, I don't know if yeah. that's the, uh, the right way to put it, but, but um, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I think that anyone who made an assumption that you know this is going to go over go go by quickly and and get back to the same old forms of marketing that they've always done is is regretting that decision. Um, and you know when we're thinking about what what's coming next, you know you can just kind of see the domino starting to fall of even the you know all the people that went out and scheduled conferences and events for the fall are starting to rethink those plans. And and uh, so in any event that's where we're at. And it's unfortunate, but we have to deal with where we're at. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today, Tom, was you know, how do we navigate you know, the next, say, four and a half months of the year in light of the environment we're in right now? Right. Yeah. And so this is our, I guess, our second chance to get it right. So if you, like I, I mean, I was the same way. I didn't think we were in for anything near as drastic as we've gone through. Um, I thought maybe 60, 90 days as well, but um, so, but now we have a chance knowing what we know now that we didn't know then we have a chance to kind of put some planning into place. And I think we wanted to use this episode as hopefully doing a service to people to say, okay, well, here's what you would do 
knowing what you know now, which we know a lot now. And so we're, we know that there are ways that we can still develop business, still develop relationships digitally, distantly, um, and that we've seen the success of the people who have embraced this thought leadership model. And um, what we thought we would do is run through just a recipe, like a step-by-step guide on how you get from here to the end of the year. And I think it all starts with, as we always do, Jay, it's uh, the sharpening up of the positioning, which is your words. So I'll let you kind of explain what we mean. Sure. So I think it's just, you know, again, when we're, when we're dealing with an environment in which we have less of an opportunity to have one-on-one interactions with people, um, we, we are in a, you know, more of an asynchronous environment where you, you know, you as the individual lawyer or service provider is, is putting ideas, messages, um, other things out into the world and hoping that they find an audience um, and, and ultimately that they consider you as the person to hire for whatever need they have. Um, in, in that sort of asynchronous environment where people with challenges, problems, opportunities who are looking for, say, a lawyer um, out into the marketplace of ideas, we need to make it really clear as to what we do best, who we serve, and the types of services that we provide. Um, and that's what positioning is all about. So how do I meaningfully differentiate myself from my competition such that it's really clear to my you know, perspective buyer or client audience as to how I help and, and how I can help them in their particular scenario. So, so that sort of positioning is reflected in many different ways. It, it could be on your, you know, your LinkedIn profile, your website bio, and in particular, how you think about creating and sharing content. What are the ideas that, again, you want to be known for? Um, what, it, what are you putting out into the world that makes it clear to the audience you hope to serve what you do best. And that's what we talk about uh, when we're talking about positioning. And I think that it's always good to revisit that because our practices change, market dynamics change, um, client preferences change, and we need to make sure that our positioning, you know, the kind of the public facing messages that we're putting out in the world about our practice are putting our best foot forward and positioning ourselves for success. So I think that's that's a first sort of strategic step people should take, which is considering whether or not their positioning is um, accurately, accurately reflecting what they do best. And who they serve, as you mentioned, and, and how mm-hmm. they do it differently. So I review your LinkedIn profile, review in particular the headline, that, you know, if it's currently just your job title, we talked about this and we've done even whole webinars on it, on making sure that that, um, that headline in your LinkedIn profile is impactful and is sharp and pointed um, and align that with a narrowly defined niche. I won't go into that again, because I know we sound like broken records, but the, the, you're only doing yourself favors by narrowing your audience. And then, but I wanted to mention, oh, in the obviously review your website content as well, your homepage, your bio, et cetera. Um, but I wanted to move on to step two, which you just referenced a little while ago about creating content. There's a silver lining. You touched on it. There's a silver lining to this this new reality or old, whatever it is, old, new, yeah. new, old. <laughs> um, but the silver lining is, is that people have discovered that this asynchronicity thing could actually be an asset. So if you're used to doing business, quote unquote, the old way, which is through personal relationships and taking people to lunch or on golf outings or you know face-to-face meetings, all of those things you know, required that you were in the same place at the same time with the prospect. But we've had guests on the show that, that demonstrate your content that lives out in the world can be anywhere. 
anytime and discovered by anybody without you even having to be in the room. So it's all of these sort of opening arguments you're making to convince an audience to at least pay attention to you, if not connect with you and ultimately maybe reach out to you. But this can happen at scale now. So we're not limited by geography. We're not limited by, you know, um, can I get that busy decision maker away from his or her office for an hour um, when it seems like I'm making a pitch? Um, so this is why we say you could use content to be out in the universe when you can't be at all times and it can sort of work without you. So step two then is then making sure that you're creating thought leadership content and that could take what forms, Jay? Yeah, well, I thought it can take many different forms. I mean, obviously, it can take form of written content, audio content, to the extent you have a podcast or you're looking to be booked on other people's podcasts, video content, um, you know, the opportunities for speaking via webinar or panel discussions. Um, but I thought, Tom, I'll just run through a quick maybe checklist for people or framework for thinking about content, um, just as a refresher. We've talked about all these concepts before, but I think it'll just help to kind of run through the formula that, that we, we like to use and recommend to our clients. So, you know, when it comes to creating content that stands out, that helps support your positioning and makes you visible to your audience, um, it starts with generating good ideas for content. And so step mm -hmm. one would be starting to pay closer attention to the types of questions your clients are asking and what issues they're facing, what are the challenges they're dealing with, and take those questions and answer them for a broader audience through the content you're creating. Chances are if one client's grappling with an issue, other similarly, similarly situated clients are dealing with the same thing. Um, so be conscious of those ideas as they arise in the context of those conversations and record them in some way so that you can come back to them later and figure out how you can turn that into thought leadership content. Um, then a second step might be not you know, necessarily just diving in and creating long form content, but starting to test some of those ideas through your LinkedIn content. So create shorter posts on some of these issues on LinkedIn, determine by having that content come into contact with your audience, what ideas are resonating with that audience? If you're getting a lot of engagement on certain pieces of content, that's a positive signal that it's worth spinning that short form content into something longer. Um, third step would be for long form content, uh, as, as much as possible, try to find outside publishing opportunities. Try to find places where your audience spends its time and attention and submit your content in those places. So this would be you know, identifying trade journals that your audience reads or websites or other forms or formats of um, you know, publishing opportunities that you can identify that as opposed to your just your website, um, your firm's website, these pu publications are ones that already have a built-in audience um, with the type of people you're trying to reach and credibility on top of that as a publisher. Um, so you'll get the added benefit of not only reaching a bigger bigger segment of your target audience, but also having a bit of a boost in terms of credibility by having your byline appear in a well-respected publication. And then the fourth step would be um, take that content and repurpose it uh, for all it's worth. So you know that longer form content can become a series of shorter LinkedIn posts, Almost every outside publication that I'm aware of allows you to republish 
something onto your firm's website once it's already been published in their publication. Um, and in other ways to simply do more direct one-on-one outreach to your clients, um, sharing that content with them with a, with a note, for example, a good way to touch base and have um, outreach with people in a way that adds some value to the relationship. So, so if you think about, think in terms of having a framework for creating content, I think that kind of identifies some of the key aspects of, of a, um, a beneficial approach. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just add to your, you know, um, your comment about finding publishing opportunities. Think about the audience that you're serving and how do they consume content? So they might also, and I know you were implying this, but you might also position yourself as a guest on somebody's podcast. So you Mm -hmm. might tee up a topic and all of this can work from a single idea, which you, you kind of hinted at as well. So you have an idea, you flesh it out in short form, and eventually you get to the piece where you want to have a long form. You might record your own podcast episode on that very topic. Or you might use that as a pitch to appear on somebody else's podcast that already has a large audience that you're trying to attract as well. So, um, okay, that's great. So now we have sharpened our positioning. We have a stable content or at least a plan for creating more content. Um, We would be remiss if we didn't mention your favorite business to business platform. Uh, And that is we're still finding people who are say they they're quote unquote on LinkedIn but they don't do LinkedIn. So obviously we've created a whole uh, uh, membership group and community around becoming active on LinkedIn, but how would you recommend somebody if they're not active or haven't been active over the summer, what are some of the first things that they should do to get active on LinkedIn? Yeah. So keeping it simple, uh, which I think is the approach that kind of runs through all of our advice. I would say to the extent that you are, you are on LinkedIn, but not, for example, actively creating your own original thought leadership content on a consistent basis. Um, I would start by, you know, maybe every day or at least every time you're going on LinkedIn, which hopefully is several times a week, um, commenting on three other people's posts and sending three connection requests out uh, to people every time you're on the platform. Um, So the reason for that as a starting point is that you commenting on other people's posts and and by other people's ideally that would be people who are again prospective clients referral sources or otherwise can have some positive impact on your practice it's a, it's a way without having to create your own content as a post for you to remain visible with that audience and they appreciate people who engage with their content and as a result of that, you can you can stay top of mind with them. Um, so continue to build your network through connection requests. Continue to stay top of mind and visible through commenting on other people's posts. And then to the extent that you are up for creating your own content, I always find an easy entry point being, you know, be more of a curator than a creator. Um, identify, you know, interesting industry news that might be relevant to your audience. And instead of, you know, sort of sitting down at the at a blank page and and writing something that's your own um, share some insights and ideas and perspectives about what someone else has written and share that with your audience so so I think those are a few simple ways to to get more active on the platform which which will hopefully allow you to build up towards becoming a more um, original content creator on LinkedIn because we've talked many times before about how valuable that can be. But I think that's a good starting point for someone who who really hasn't done much on the platform, but wants to get more active. Yep. And I think it's also useful for people to give themselves a 30-day challenge. 
And depending on how committed you are to spending however much amount of time you have to devote to LinkedIn, articulate something specific and then stick to it for 30 days. So the best example being probably Laura Frederick, who decided last August she was going to post every single day for 30 days. And that was it. And that's all she committed to. But it was something that, you know, she articulated. It was easy to measure. Yes, no, pass, fail. Did I do it or didn't I do it? And it was a short time horizon that said, you know, suggested I'm not going to stick with this forever, but at least for 30 days, I'm going to see what happens. And of course, the rest is history. You know, she's still a year later posting, if not every single day, then close to it because the results were just through the roof. So if you need to start small, say I'm going to post once per week for four weeks or I'd love to hear, you know, maybe more like two to three times per week for four weeks. Um, either, you know, and I'm going to make, as you said, three connection requests per LinkedIn session. I'm going to make three, like articulate that all and write it down and then just stick it on a piece of paper next to your computer somewhere. And that'll be your constant reminder that, oh, I didn't do that today. Cause you're going to need some of that before it becomes a habit, right? You're going to need some mm -hmm. reminding and prodding. And sometimes you're, it, the reminder will work and you'll get on the platform, but you'll start thinking, all right, what do, who do I comment on? So it's just, it's muscle memory that you can start building if you articulate what the program is, then it's, it's easier to follow as opposed to some general, you know, amorphous commitment to be more active on LinkedIn. So that would be my advice. Yeah. Whatever you can handle. We're not asking everyone to be daily posters, but there's got to be some formula that's right for you and just set yourself a, a bar. You, you'll achieve it. And then in all likelihood, you'll do what Laura Frederick did is you'll want to do more of the same. So yeah. Um, so Tom, let me throw it to you. Um, what I, I guess I know you have, you've been working on some new ideas, new thoughts, new perspectives on, you know, how to simplify marketing and, and to make it both more simple and more effective um, at the same time. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw it out to you as to kind of add to some of what we've talked about. Um, what are some other things that maybe people should be doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I have a, I have a simple formula because I do think it's important to keep it simple. I think just a quick backstory. I think in the last 10 years, marketing has gotten so complex and so fragmented and so there's so many options and platforms and channels in available to us now. And I think one of two things happens, either everyone tries to do a little bit of everything. So they're not really all that effective at anything, or it's so overwhelming that they end up doing nothing because I don't have time to do all this stuff and I keep my head down. So I've tried to, I'm making it a mission. I'm actually writing a book called Do Less, Sell More. We'll see how that works out. Um, but it came as a realization that um, somebody else put in front of me, which is because I'm guilty of it, just like everybody else. I was on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm, you know, now I'm joining Clubhouse and I've got email marketing and I'm blogging and a podcast. It was just way too much. If I can't keep up with it, how would I expect that my audience would be able to pay attention to all that stuff? So, I decided to simplify and the simple formula is this is one plus one equals everything. And what I mean by that is start by identifying just one publishing platform or social media. So for me, my one is LinkedIn because I serve a community that's very active on LinkedIn and decision makers. If they're going to go to any social network to talk and think about business, it's LinkedIn. So I stopped doing Twitter for business. 
Um, because again, anytime I have an open channel, it requires curation. It requires community management. I need to respond to comments, right? I need to keep up a certain persona. Um, and I stripped all of that away and I hardly ever talk about work on Facebook. So I might still do those things for fun, but my one is LinkedIn. And then the plus one is something that I think people have kind of begun to overlook because of all the new gadgets and gizmos that are out there for us to reach audiences at scale that we forget about the tried and true email marketing. Um, Because it's just, it seems old and it seems kind of clunky and, you know, there's don't people, you know, hate getting emails, not if they're valuable, they won't. So the nice thing about LinkedIn and the reason we should focus, I'm sorry, email. And the reason we should focus on it, it's the one digital platform that has no algorithm, right? So if you have people opted into an email database, you have permission to email them. The open rates and the click rates may seem small. You might send out an email, you might only get 35 to 40%. That's a pretty good open rate with a click rate of around 10%. So that might seem like, well, 90% of my audience, my efforts are wasted because they didn't click on a link and that's not the case at all. Compared to most digital, a good click-through rate on digital marketing is 0.5%. And now your click rate on your email is 10%. So anyways, it's simple math. It's, you know, people are in front of their emails all day. So what I would recommend to keep it simple, this is a long way of answering your question. So (laughs) I don't know how simple I've kept it, but pick one social network to commit to for 99% of people listening to this podcast, it's LinkedIn, and couple it with at least a monthly email to subscribers, friends, colleagues, just make sure that you're getting that content in front of people and give yourself permission to stop doing everything else. And I think people will find the time. And I think that I'm hoping that this will resonate with people who have found marketing to become overly complex in, you know, decentralized, this will keep them focused on one or two things that they can manage and do that really, really, really well so that you don't have to do everything else in a shoddy manner. Yeah, I agree with all that, Tom. I do think that we get uh, sort of paralysis by analysis. Um, There's a huge paradox of choice problem when it comes to marketing. How do we spend our time? What's the best way to do it? Um, So narrowing things down to a couple of tactics or or platforms or channels that that work for you and your audience is is definitely the way to go. So um, I definitely agree with, with everything you said there. Um, and then I think the last thing I would add, the last piece of this puzzle, um, so to speak, when we're thinking about a mix of actions to take uh, during the last you know, three to four months of the year would be, you know, I think most everything else we've talked about a little bit, a little bit more marketing oriented, um, but would be something that I would categorize more as business development. Um, and that would be identifying some small number. And by small, I typically mean 15, 20, up to maybe 25 people in your network who are maybe the most important people in that network. Um, The people that, again, can have this positive impact on your practice right now. So these would be current clients, prospective clients, and referral sources uh, for the most part. Identifying and winnowing down that list of, you know, say a thousand contacts that you might have a, a loose relationship with and finding those 25 that there's a much deeper one or the potential for a deeper one that would be very valuable. And I'd say with that list, then taking the opportunity and taking the time to spend 15, 20, it might be up to 30 minutes 
every day doing one meaningful form of outreach to one person on that list um, and working through that list on a monthly basis so that by the end of the month, you've reached out to everyone on the list at least once. And so that might be you know, a simple email. It might be picking up the phone and having a conversation. Um, it might be sending a handwritten note, whatever the case might be. Uh, whatever that form of outreach is, I think it's important to stay in front of on a consistent basis, the most important people in our network. And I, I don't know how often that happens for many people because sometimes they don't do that qualitative analysis mm. on their broader network. And that is necessary though. I think for most of us, this is this would be like a, an example of the 80-20 rule in play or um, even doing the applying the 80-20 rule to the to the 20 that you came up with previously, which would be just narrowing things down to the point that um, identifying the, where are the opportunities, where am I most likely to succeed in terms of the outreach I'm doing, and focusing most of your efforts when it comes to personal outreach on that one subset of your broader audience. And, and I think by doing so, you'll have a lot more success when it comes to generating work. Because I, I do think that for most service providers, um, there's a few people who probably are responsible for a significant amount of the work that you're generating. And so we need to spend special attention on those people. Yep. And that's kind of uh, part and parcel to the premise of doing less to sell more is that we should cut away the things that we feel like we're going to reach mass audiences at scale in favor of something like what you just described. And so you can't like completely cut off one to many in terms of your marketing. You still need to do marketing, but I, I think you need to, whatever time you can strip away from doing the, you know, trying to be everywhere to all people on all platforms all of the time to devote to what you just described, I think is perfect. And then my last comment, Jay, is I think you just proved the 80-20 rule, which states that if you recall, 80% of the time that the 80-20 rule is invoked, it will be incorrectly described 20% of the time. <laughs> I would, I would say perhaps higher, uh, perhaps yeah. higher. <laughs> let's yeah. just say, let's just say less is more. Right. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is probably a good place to leave it. Do you have any parting thoughts? No, I just say, I would say that, you know, in, in a time such as, uh, you know, the last uh, few remaining weeks of August that we have left, um, set yourself up for success come post Labor Day. Um, it is, it, it can be a sprint. I know people are busy to begin with, but this, this tends to be a period of time where, you know, people aren't quite as tuned in as they will be in a few weeks time. So the ability to think through some of these issues and do lay some of that groundwork such that you're positioning yourself for success um, throughout the, the remainder of 2021 will be time well spent. Um, so get ready, do the planning, gear yourself up, and then get ready to execute uh, come September. Yep. And I will just impart one piece of advice you gave me, I think probably two or three years ago that I think is helpful here is to actually take the physical step of writing this down with your hand and a pen onto a piece of paper. Don't put it into a note digitally somewhere that'll get lost in your computer and stick it somewhere. So the things that you can write down are what is my 30 day challenge for LinkedIn? All right. We talked about what that was. And then maybe on a separate piece of paper, write down as a reminder what your one plus one formula is. So it's LinkedIn plus email probably equals everything. And that's just going to be a reminder and a permission slip to stop trying to do everything. Or it's going to be your um, the maybe the motivation you need to get into the marketing game, into the business development game, because it's simplified for you on that piece of paper. So with that, Jay, I think we can send our listeners off into the fourth quarter. 
the game plan, and I will see you next time on the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.